So there's a lot of consumption that happens with social media. We're just consuming. And I guess even within that, this hunger for more, but what is it that you need specifically? You can binge on a lot of things out there. Is it actually satiating to you, to your soul, energetically, emotionally? What's actually getting fed when we are in that receiving mode? What are you allowing to be received? And then on the flip side, what is it that you are looking to share out into the world? And doing it again from a space of the emotional, the energetic, the mental, and the physical, what are you looking for in exchange of that? And what does being seen, heard, and witnessed mean for you? Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week, we have a beautiful, incredible soul. Anna Grillo is a transformation coach and HR professional. She helps purpose-driven high achievers and their families to recover from burnout, transform fear and doubt into heart-centered, intentional action, and helps them to become fully aligned with who they truly are to realize their highest version of themselves. She blends her well-being experience as a kinesiologist, EFT, emotional freedom technique practitioner, and trainer, and a spiritual companion with her extensive years of corporate human resources, project management, and leadership development. She supports her clients to calm the chaos in their head. Just want you to hear that again. Imagine calming the chaos in your head, deepen your intuition, and drop the fear so that you're able to live a life fully aligned with your soul purpose. You are going to love today's story, her conversation, her ability to articulate how to tap into these beautiful inner resources that we have. I know you're going to love the show. You're probably going to want to take lots of notes. Uh, There will be a link in the notes to the EFT chart that she talks about. So make sure you head on over to Kim Morrison 28 on Instagram, Kim Morrison Training on Facebook, or you can go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. This beautiful podcast is available on all podcast platforms. Your five-star rating means the world to me and also allows other people to find these beautiful souls. And I just want to thank you wholeheartedly for your comments, your feedback, your questions, and all your private messages and emails. They mean the world to me. I love bringing the show to you every week. And the beautiful Anna Grillo is another reason why I love to share extraordinary humans. Have a fantastic week. Take care, be kind, and I'll see you in the same place, same time next week. Well, again, I have the absolute incredible honor and privilege to interview beautiful people. And this week, there is no exception. This amazing soul is someone I've known for a number of years. I'm incredibly honored to know her. She's a very clever, special soul. Welcome to the Self-Love Podcast, beautiful Anna Grillo. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, you and I go back a long way. I remember meeting you for the first time at the Wellness Summit down there in Melbourne. And you were actually the first person to sign up to my brand new program at the time, the Health and Lifestyle Education Program. Perhaps you could just give us a little insight as to how you ended up at the Wellness Summit. Where did you go or start in your journey to take you down this beautiful pathway of natural therapies and health and wellness? Oh, 
Yeah, well, that definitely is a bit of a journey. I think intuitively I've always been drawn into health and well-being. Um, but, you know, through life I just, I, I went with the flow. <laughs> I, you know, went to school, went to uni, got the degree, uh, got the job, climbed the ladder, got married to my beautiful husband, Simon. And um, throughout all of that, there was a lot of achievement but internally, uh, I was just exhausted. <laughs> I was depleted, suffering from, you know, IBS issues. And for me, I realized throughout all of that, I hadn't cultivated a real sense of self. Had I didn't really have that strong internal solid foundation that I knew I, I should have. I was very much with the flow and driven by, you know, opportunities that were wonderful, um, but they were because, oh, someone suggested something. Okay, I, I'm just going to go along with that. I remember I was 21 and I actually had a chance, well, not so chance, but encounter with uh, my beautiful fairy godmother, I call her, and she was actually an aromatherapist. And I remember when we booked the call, she said, I, I don't just do um, massage. I, I also do some, you know, spiritual things. And I was like, oh, yeah, great. I'm open to that. And I remember being in that room and I just felt, wow, this is probably the first time I'd felt um, seen, heard and witnessed in this beautiful, authentic, open way that I could just be myself, drop all my guards and be really, truly vulnerable in that moment and be seen and heard without any judgment. And it was just stunning. And it was through that I came across a short um, course in kinesiology with the beautiful Robbie Zek, her aromatic kinesiology, level one. And I remember I did that weekend and something just resonated with me and I was like, I'm going to do this one day. But it was always in this, you know, the, the future. And so, you know, over time I was working and it was always in the back of my mind. So when it's sort of, you know, nine or so years later, it got, you know, as I said, this I was burnt out and it, it got to that stage where we were wanting to start a family and we were struggling. And I knew deep down that it was stress. And I had a really loving, um, <laughs> fearfully loving encounter with a woman at work who just said, right, you know, what is it that you want to do in life? And I just said, I want to study kinesiology. She's like, well, what's stopping you? And at that time, you know, my husband, we just, you know, built our home. He was just starting his tradie business and always felt, well, I, I needed to bring in that income. So that's why I was working so hard. But then I just went, you know what, we'll make do and I'll be able to contract a temp. I'll do anything. I'm not worried about what it is. It doesn't have to be this role. She's like, well, what are you going to do about it? And I just said, I'm going to study kinesiology. And it was in that moment when I decided to make that decision, that weight that lifted off my shoulder was just phenomenal. And to this day, I just remember that free feeling of freedom. I knew that there was a different way to approach things in life. And, you know, I worked in human resources and there was always that fine balance between what it is for a business, but what does it mean for the individual? And an individual's needs, wants are so different. You know, that personal aspect of self is so different to, you know, that professionalism that you need to come up in that role that you're, you've been, you're being paid to do in that exchange. And I really wanted to delve deep into what makes the human within, the soul within um, tick. You know, I really wanted to delve deeper into accessing our highest potential. And so I went down that path from being this corporate role. I went down the path of kinesiology and, you know, 
of course, there's it all happened that I fell pregnant at the same time. So and I had this really big shift, <laughs> 180 shift to in a way, um, where I was able to study and delve deeper into, you know, psychology, emotional, the energetic sciences, that blend of Western science and Eastern philosophies. And that really just shaped then, I guess, this path that I've been on now growing, um, yeah, with my two beautiful children now, home education. And it was through that where I really got into the what does it mean to be raised in an environment where there are no rules or societal rules. There's definitely structure and boundaries and consequences, the natural order of things, but without society's um, expectations, what would that look like and feel like? And so I guess that's what got me into home educating my children. But the real solid knowledge of how to be our optimal selves with nutrition and with health, that started there. And I was really lucky and fortunate to come across podcasts. That was the time when podcasts started. And I came across this little trio. First, it was the the wellness guys, um, and they introduced the Up for a Chat team. And yeah, then that just continued on, my thirst for knowledge. And that's how I got into the Wellness Summit, why I was there. And um Yeah, I'd gone to a few already and that was the year though that Simon, uh, my husband, also joined me. And of course, there are never any accidents. We were meant to be in that room when you were ready to launch the Health and Lifestyle Educator Program. So I was very lucky to be (laughs) there and to meet you and just continue on that path. Look, honestly, it's such a beautiful journey and there is no accidents, as you say. And when Simon came up, and it's so funny because in my head when I launched that program at that event, I thought, I wonder who will be the first person. I did not expect to see your husband standing in front of me. He was the first one and said, my wife, I want to sign her up. And it was just the most beautiful thing to see a man who knows that perhaps at the time his wife was searching and looking and wanting to really evolve in this beautiful place called natural therapies, but also expand her own understanding of this human force. I want to check in with you on something One thing that you were talking about was, you know, feeling seen and heard. And I I think this is a real sad thing in human society. We are more connected via the internet and more seen on platforms than ever, ever before. Yet there seems to be this essence or sense of disconnect bigger than ever before. Do you have any thoughts or ideas in your work, both in the um, holistic field and also the corporate field? What's your thoughts around this connection, disconnection, wired, not wired? What's your whole thoughts here? And is there is there hope or do you think we're heading for doom and gloom? <laughs> it always seems like there's doom and gloom, but I am the ever optimist <laughs> and always look to see where the opportunities are. And, you know, the the digital world and the speed that it's coming to now, yeah, it can be really terrifying um, when we go down certain paths, but it can also be really freeing. And I feel that there is this big change in that as the day-to-day processing of basic things are, are getting automated, we are suddenly left with this, well, who am I? without this work, without these distractions, without these needs to have to do the minimal tasks, um, what, yeah, who am I and what could I be doing? Now, through the lens of being seen and heard, 
a lot of that comes down to the concept, I guess, of attention. And so people, when we listen or when we communicate, people are often like what who plays the role of the listener and who plays the role of the speaker. And there's that real should be a beautiful flow and exchange. But often because there is this disconnection from sense of self, if we're not listening to ourselves within, it's very difficult to listen to the other people externally as well. And so we just want to be seen, heard and witnessed. And often because of our, I guess, inner child, sometimes we have this little inner self, like a little, um, you know, two or three-year-old stamping with um, it in the throes of a tantrum and it's like, I need to hurry up and talk. I need to, you must listen to me because for whatever reason in that moment, I was never seen, heard and witnessed. And so there's a lot of um, people sharing information. There's a lot of things being done online. And I guess it's really coming down to purpose and clarity around that because yes, we can have attention, but what are we actually seeking to exchange? What are we looking to give out and put out into the world? How are we looking to, I guess, connect with others? How does that feel versus also what are we receiving in? And is there a mutually um, beneficial exchange between the two? Or is it just this one way? And so there's a lot of, I guess, consumption that happens with social media. We're just consuming. And I guess even within that, there's this hunger, this hunger for more. But what is it that you need specifically? Is it just, you know, You can binge on a lot of things out there. Is it actually satiating to you, to your soul, energetically, emotionally? What's actually getting fed when we are in that receiving mode? What are you allowing to be received? And then on the flip side, what is it that you are looking to share out into the world? And doing it again from a space of the emotional, the energetic, the mental and the physical, what are you looking for in exchange of that? And what does being seen, heard and witnessed mean for you? Because through myself, one of um, another one of my mentors, Tamala Ridge, she's a, an addiction specialist actually, but she's also um, a spiritual companionship is, is where I did some further study with her. And it was through this space of being able to see each other through the lens of compassion, detachment and acceptance of a situation and just, yeah, loving non-judgment and how do we allow people to really listen to themselves in order to share what it is that they really need to be seen, heard and witnessed and for the other person to be able to hold that space with integrity without their own things coming up and allow it to be this beautiful exchange between the two. I often say that we, as we're in conversations with people, that as they're speaking, we're already thinking of the next thing to say, mm-hmm. which means you haven't actually been listening to what the person's saying because you're already to say what you've got to say. Do you believe there's a real skill in listening? And if so, have you got any tips for us in how to listen to our children better, our partners, our colleagues, ourselves? How do you have that real present ability to truly listen? Oh, yeah. And this is the big one. <laughs> you know, what do they say? Our children, our partners, like they're our biggest teachers. And, but why? How come that happens? Because, you know, to, I know that there's a lot of, you know, women and families in the conscious parenting movement. We know that that authoritarian style approach didn't work. 
we know that we want more heart-centered connection within ourselves, our relationships and our families. And so, you know, women, I'll speak to myself through the lens of my experience, we you know, in research, we want to be the best. So there's all this information out there at our fingertips and, you know, the wonderful social media, we get to see things. We see the white linen and the the beautiful nature play um, and think, gosh, things just look so easily that everyone looks at peace. But, you know, it's not just being in one, um, you know, positive environment the whole time. Children have phases as well. And I think what happens is, is that they become a mirror and they will represent, they'll be in the moment. We know children are so in the moment with their emotions. They will, you know, want it to come up, flare up, up and out, and then it's done. For us, you know, then that really cultivates a sense of a strong space holder. And to be a strong space holder for me is that ability to cultivate those virtues of, you know, compassionate understanding and detachment from what's going on. Yes, they may be upset because of something we did or we put in a boundary in place, but it's holding that and allowing them to weather the storm, basically. But often when children do feel safe with us, they can keep going and going and going. And that can be a bit of a, oh, you know, everyone should be happy all the time. So it takes a lot to manage those emotions, up, down, anger, all of those things. And eventually, I mean, that requires a lot of work to be able to hold space for another. And first and foremost, we actually need to learn the art of holding space for ourselves. That requires a lot of time and energy. And, you know, perhaps if I could just go away for a year into the mountains and be enlightened, you know, not a problem, I'll be amazing. <laughs> but the true <laughs> spiritual journey is being in the everyday. Um, I think actually my mentor, I, I had a kinesiology session this morning with um, Damien Brown, who's an amazing, amazing kinesiologist and naturopath. And he said, I, th- I think is it Ram Das, it makes a, a saying, you think you're spiritually enlightened and just spend some time with your family and see what happens there. <laughs> And that really is, it's, we, we think of these beautiful, amazing, esoteric, energetic practices, spiritual practices, amazing and so needed, but it's the everyday moment where we show up. That's what really matters. And so how do we learn the, the art of that? For me, again, it really starts with knowing thyself and knowing who you are deeply and what are your your triggers and also your glimmers? You know, what turns you on? What turns you off? What is it that you need to be your best self? Once you have that inner understanding or that inner standing, I really feel from there you're able then to, to create or curate your life to ensure that as much as possible you can be the best you can be. And I know for me and tend to be, you know, common with a lot of other mums, it's, you know, we stay up late and I've been a chronic night owl for many, many a year, (laughs) Um, which hasn't served me. And especially as I'm now in my fourth decade and I'm going to be into that beautiful transition period very soon into menopause, um, which is a really beautiful, powerful time. What I'm finding for myself and also in clinic is that this is the time when we see when you haven't been kind to ourselves, when we've perhaps burnt the candle at both ends. And it's when a lot of that really happens with this concept of people pleasing and doing things that aren't really true to ourselves. And it can be really challenging to actually go, hang on, what is it that I actually really need? And then start implementing those changes because I really feel there's a lot of fear. If I actually speak up for myself, 
if I actually need to place a boundary or, or say no, um, it's like almost like this my whole life that I know it has to change. And I know that's been a big fear for me that if I sort of tap into that and step into that highest version, my highest potential, that would mean X, Y, Z. And a lot of that is just a lot of stories that we tell ourselves. Yes, there will be change. Um, but what if it could be better <laughs> than what it is that you're currently experiencing? Rather than focusing on the doom and gloom, we have this self-vigilance, the stress response. It's like, oh, my gosh, what could go wrong? What could go right? And how beautiful could life be if I was actually coming from a space of peace and joy and ease that it would bring me and then that's what ripples out to myself and my family and creates this beautiful harmonious ecosystem that can just grow from there our strong belief that if the woman of the house is happy and healthy life tends to run smoothly for everyone else that's not to say that our men can't hold that space or be in that space but there is something to be said about the woman of the home and I do believe that if we can honour that role and actually revere it and remember what an absolute privilege it is to be in that space, then in your humble opinion, knowing that we have to show up no matter what, knowing that we have to be our best selves in order to teach our children the same, I picked up on one thing you just said then, that we can't always be up. Life is never always about happy, clappy, and everyone's fine. Are you saying then it's about having the resilience, the tenacity, the focus, the ability to be flexible in times of change or when other people need uh, attention or maybe they're stressed or going through things? It seems to me the more calm the woman is around any of these changes or upsets, the better we all adapt. Is that something you've noticed in clinic? And if so, is there certain things that you do for yourself that you get to hold space for your family and your partner and your clients where you protect yourself as well? Absolutely. And I feel that the whole aim is to build resilience and adaptability. That's really my focus. I mean, and as you would know, so many people have digestive issues and they get to a stage where they're only down to three foods that they can eat um, because they just, everything causes a flare, whether it's mold, whether it's parasites, whether it's X, Y, Z, it could be anything. At the end of the day though, when we look from a um, an anatomy point of view, the body's doing the best that it can. And it's actually so clever the way it's designed. And so for me, I look at that and go, look, obviously there's that, that period of healing. And yes, we do need to remove things. But at the end of the day now, there's only so much that you can restrict. Now we actually need to build up resilience so you can grow and add. How can we nourish and nurture the body? mind and spirit to create that adaptability to be able to respond to life not react from a state of of stress and of worry and so forth so for me that process so as i mentioned before that process of self-awareness so journaling doing a whole lot of even just understanding what's your personality type uh you know numerology astrology getting your chart done um you know your myers-briggs your um human design there's a whole lot of things that you can just start doing together around into the world just to get a bit more information and see what resonates now like well whilst i'm not a huge fan of labels i understand that they can provide safety for people to go 
oh, because when they read about that, they go, this explains, I feel seen and heard and witnessed. I guess the key through that though, isn't to say, well, because I feel so safe in this now and explains what it is, that suddenly I become that label. No, you're still an individual with individual needs. You're not a potential stereotype because people have a very different perception of what that label may may be. So it's about how do we then communicate what's best. So being able to share that and know and what it is that you need and feel. So for me, um, I am an introvert. So ensuring that I've got adequate time to uh, build that into my week, build that into my days, because I need to know that I want to be in the top shape for myself and my family. And so the next thing is to actually understand your value system. Because, you know, when you have some values to go by, and if you sort of know where it is that you want to go in life, they're your guiding pillar. For me, a lot of it is around, will this bring me peace, joy, and ease? Is that, will this, will that lead me closer to that path? And also knowing for me, myself, my family, they come first. I want to be the best version for myself and for them. I need to be able to protect that energy. So whilst logically we can make a decision and say, okay, I'm looking to build, you know, an example right now, I'm looking to build, um, you know, my clinic up more. So we've just moved. (laughs) just a year ago to a beautiful uh, 15 acre farm. And so it's a very different lifestyle for us. And Simon is busy doing all of his his things here, getting us all up to be self-sustainable, running the farm and the animals and all of that. And so I'm like, great, I'm now in this position that I'm able to sort of grow and, and pursue my dreams. But I needed to be able to step back and go, wow, I'd love to have a thriving clinic, but what does that involve and what's that going to take away? What is it that we need? And so I've actually going in and doing um, some contracting in, in the HR field for a little while, as well as slowly building up my clinic. Now, I needed to make that decision on a mind, body, spirit level. Intellectually, I could have easily run, you know, what's it going to look like for me to do more days in clinic and specifically focus on my holistic health and wellbeing business. But I needed to see, does that align with all aspects? Is that what's best for me? Is that what's best for my family? And so really being able to discern around what's happening on the mental plane, because it's very easy to make things work. Like logically, we can say, yeah, if we just do this, if we just do that, but then, you know, do I have the capacity to hold space to the level I know I want to for my clients to see 10, 12, 20 people a week and still be the best version of being a mother and um, being there for my for myself and for my children and my husband? Um, or will that require me, myself, to continue to build my own internal capacity? And so that's what helped me shape my decision and, and actually feels really good because beforehand things felt like I was pushing it. It always seemed to come up with um, a barrier of sorts. It just didn't feel smooth or easy. Whereas as soon as I made this decision to go, you know what, it's really easy for me to jump back into the office. What if I'll just do some contracting because I don't want to be tied down anywhere. I'll make it work for me and work part-time and I can do this and I can still build the clinic and work a couple of um, days, you know, on the weekend and so forth. And it felt so much easier and it just like boom 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 things just flowed as I said my guiding pillar is the peace joint ease and it just ticked that all off and so I feel aligned and I feel great and it feels easeful and so I guess it's knowing that because when you become 
understanding about what it is that you need, I can now really clearly differentiate between, oh, that feels a bit stress-like response when I'm thinking of this versus, no, this feels really easeful. And so that self-awareness, the the ability to have the self-reflection and be really honest with yourself is is key. And then obviously I have been my... Um, my tools such as using emotional freedom technique and all my other little kinesiology bits and bobs to help me shift through and be embodied and also work at not just the mental plane, but is it how's it serving me emotionally, physically, and then also being able to clear on the subconscious level. Because often we have a lot of stories and, oh, you know, there's so many stories I tell myself. And I'd say, oh, I honestly think that that is absolutely true. But then when I go a little bit deeper, it's just like, well, no, actually I was wrong. I thought so-and-so would would react to that. And then when I was able to clear through my sense of self and what that means for me, then suddenly those things no longer were an issue anymore. Mm, It's a fascinating thing. And you've brought up so many things in there. This whole idea of self-awareness and self-reflection, in order to be aware of ourselves, we need to almost have a separation of ourselves to observe ourselves. And in order to reflect, we need to have time to do that or to create it. And many people run a story that they don't have enough time or enough money to do the things that they'd love to do. But one of the things that you and I both love is the idea of a reframe. And that if we can create a new story, a more positive story that aligns with our values, then we'll find that those things that we really want to prioritize do fall into place. Many people think that their values are what's important to them. And that's very true. But in reality, what's important to you and then the emphasis or the prioritization you're putting on that can be very different. For example, I'm sure you've got clients who say, yes, I really value my health. And yet they're not sleeping well, they're not eating well, they've got IBS or they've got other like gut issues that you're talking about. So whilst it might be a value that they'd love to have, clearly they're not valuing it enough because they're sabotaging themselves with behaviors that aren't supporting that. How do you get the bridge between the value that you'd love to have and think that you value as opposed to really living your values? Oh, that's a good one (laughs) because that's like a really great example. You might think I want to be um, healthy and I value nutrition and it's a matter of knowing, okay, this is the goal we we know and there's can be a, a lot of incremental changes and little steps that you can make and change. But sometimes what happens is our self-sabotage will set us up to help prove the story that's actually the negative and so through the lens of addiction often we think that we are chasing the high so whether it is you know let's just say it's food and you're going really well and you know you're starting a new diet and then you know a few days in or a few weeks in you get some results and then you're just like oh you just go for it and, and have a binge it's not necessarily that temporary high that we're chasing it's actually the low the crash. It's what happens afterwards. I can't believe I did it again. I'm useless. I can't keep my, you know, my word to myself. And that's the story that we're actually addicted to. That's the self-sabotage. And so now we're looking through that lens. It's not, um, it's not that I don't want to eat. I don't know how to eat healthy. It's actually do 
it, what's that self-talk that is coming up for you during those moments? What is the self-talk that comes up when it's like, um, you know, you've had that extra glass of wine and, you know, is it because you didn't, you know, I don't feel like I deserve peace or you you only know drama and so you only, um, that's actually what is going on. That deeper addiction to that stressful reaction gives us suddenly a different lens to turn through to. This is sort of what I call the shadow work. We often want to look to the the, the good stuff, being all the Zen calm mama, but on the other side, the shadow side, well, what's driving you to having that extra drink or eating the chocolate and so forth? What were you actually seeking in that moment? A lot of it tends to be, I just want to numb out. Everything feels too much. I just need something just to help, Oof, you know, make me forget about things. Well, let's go deeper. What actually then were you trying to sedate yourself from? it all feels too much. There's just so much. And I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to that. And if we keep peeling that apart, if you go deeper, well, actually we might suddenly just talking about the fact that I'm just not good enough. Like I'm trying to do all these things. I'm failing all these things and da, 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 da. That's a very different story to, gosh, I just can't eat well. I can't, you know, I've got a sugar addict or something like that versus I actually feel really unworthy. That's a different lens that we now look through. And it's now understanding how we can we see, hear, and witness ourselves in those vulnerable moments. And often you'll find that they're linked to whether it's in a child or a past version of ourselves. And so that's that beautiful space holding to go, well, what is it that you were actually truly needing? What were you craving? And what experience or memory comes up for you during those moments? And it might be, gosh, it, you know, it reminds me of, my dad told me off because of X, Y, Z, or I was passed over for a promotion or my friends left me out or something really random might come in and it's like, wow, okay. And you're looking just through a different lens for what it is that you needed in that moment. And instead of stuffing that down, it's like, well, how can I give that sense of self? What is it that I needed? Um, I needed to be seen or I needed to be validated. Gosh, I really wanted someone just to hug me. I wanted my dad to be able to say, everything's going to be okay. It's, all, it's okay to make mistakes. Well, how can we give that gift to ourselves? Because it's really learning to curate how we can respond because unfortunately everyone everyone is individual and we can't rely on others to give us what we need because they're going through their own stories. They're living life through their lens of whatever experiences happen to them. And so we, we tend to go around um, almost through life with, I call like a little matchstick and a little striking pad. And sometimes our children and our partners will hold the, the matchstick and strike up against our little striking pad because for whatever experience that is. And until we we learn to understand what's hiding deeper, we can just then integrate that experience. We can drop that striking pad so it's no longer a trigger or an issue for us. And it's that learning to integrate that, that shadow sense of self. It's not about trying to hide it or cutting it away and cutting, um, you know, cutting cords, which is a beautiful practice, but we're not trying to get rid of it. We want it, we want to call upon our inner carer. So the stress response I call the inner critic. We want to call upon the inner carer now. Let's drop our guards. We don't need the little whip trying to whip us through. We're not good enough. Little 
Kim or our that little sense of self within needs that beautiful, compassionate nurture now. And how can we show that to ourselves and say, it's okay, you're safe now. Yes, it really sucked. What is it that you need? How can we help now bring that to ourselves so we no longer need to have these um, binges anymore to help us, you know, trigger to try to be seen and heard. Now we know what it is that you need. Let's try and change this with another beautiful loving practice so you feel a lot more calmer and you're nurtured and nourished through this process rather than constantly feeling like you're trying to dodge the boogeyman under the bed. I, I think you've brought up something really interesting here. For a lot of people who sabotage their health with, I don't know, drugs, alcohol, sex, uh, food, uh, self-harm, all of these things, I thought it was fascinating when you said, are you really a sugar addict or are you addicted to the story that you're unworthy? And I think that's a really powerful conversation because in many ways, sugar addict is the physical, the the actual doing, but the unworthy is the emotional. And many of us know that emotions actually drive behaviors. So in your humble opinion, then, to create more of a sense of worthiness, for the example of the sugar addict versus unworthiness, knowing that we can't necessarily go back to our fathers who may have said things that upset us or that work colleague or friends left us out, whatever those examples are, every single one of us goes through emotional hurts, pain, challenge, etc., But I'm curious then from your point of view, is this where the magnificence of kinesiology and EFT, essential oils, it's actually that repertoire, which you did mention very briefly, is having a repertoire of tools. So the awareness that you've now gone for sugar, but really underneath it is you don't feel worthy. What would be the process or how do I teach myself to become very aware that that's this little pattern or this biological neurological setup that I've created based on an emotional need needing fulfilled how how do I do that (laughs) yeah (laughs) well that's right let's let's go down the list so there's a few things and for me it's very much it's not a linear process I talk a lot about the spiral of ascension and so we're constantly spiraling through these um these emotions so first we've spoken about the self-awareness piece and so for me it's about noticing we've got the detachment and creating that sense of space in between and that is done through the beautiful you know our deep breaths taking three deep breaths choosing one of the beautiful essential oils little acts like that help us to notice start to notice what's coming up rather than oh i'm i'm hungry i'm just going to go for the sugar when we can start thinking in a way that says oh i notice i'm feeling that it just helps give us a little bit of detachment a bit of space in between that immediate feeling and the emotion to what's going on from there we can then help decide well what am i going to do about it and you know what? Sometimes you might decide, eh, I'm just going to go with it. But you, you, you sort of know in a way to go. Gosh, I, I'm, I am, I know there's something underneath this, but I'm just going to go for it. I'll deal with it later, and that's okay. It's a no foul gig here. <laughs> but the key, though, is to be able to stop and take a bit of a breath and go, okay, what is it that I need? Now, I love emotional freedom technique because what it is, it's, I guess, what they term it to be an energy psychology modality. Now, um, I dare say your your audience is probably familiar with a bit of kinesiology, but if they're not, it is a um, modality that really looks to 
understand the root cause of an issue, whether it's physical, biochemical, emotional, or energetic in nature. And we use muscle testing to delve down the path. Now, as kinesiologists, we uh, use traditional Chinese medicine. So the five element chart, the meridians, um, the chakras, the elements, we use a lot of the acupuncture system. We don't use needles, but we use touch to help bring flow and smooth that energy out whenever there's a blockage um, in whatever this issue that's presenting for you. That's part of the process. We'll muscle test to determine where it is. And then we'll usually are touching on certain acupressure points to help bring flow and energy. So then when I came across emotional freedom technique, what we are doing in that sense is that we are just tapping on a certain set of acupuncture points um, to help bring flow and awareness to the issue that's coming up. Now, what I find interesting is that often, um, as we said, it's an energy psychology. So there's a lot of talking. And what I find the difference is between, say, going just to a counselor or a psychologist is that you are just talking and it's just, again, sitting in the mental plane. There doesn't seem to be any resolution because logically people seem to have an understanding of where the issue is and very self-aware, but they can't seem to shift it. By us introducing tapping on certain acupressure points, what that helps does is it's tapping into the emotional, the physical and the energetic realms. And so we are literally tapping on the body on certain acupressure points, which is embodying. It's bringing us back into the present moment emotionally we're actually talking about what it is that's coming up from us so you might be saying gosh I feel the sugar I really just want that sugar I'm tired I'm hangry I just want a quick sugar fit to feel good um, even though I know it's not good for me but I just want that and so instead of shying away from it we're actually leaning into it and, and that's okay we need to acknowledge what's coming up for us by tapping, though, we're tapping on the acupressure system. And so it, that is helps to send signals up to the amygdala, to the emotional center of the brain. And it's almost like just going, hey, all right, we recognize something's coming on. It isn't the saber-toothed tiger. Let's just turn down the stress response because often we've just had that, there's that sense of urgency. We've got the adrenaline flooding into the system. It's like we just need something now, now, now. By tapping, it helps to go, hey, everything is okay. We're just going to take the 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 little flag off the folder. It's okay. We don't need to, you know, signal off the alarm. We're just trying. And that process helps to rewire in a way. It's going, okay, I notice there's a trigger here right now. It's okay. It's safe. It's okay just to, to calm down. I notice what it is that I need. And it helps just bring that sense of urgency, that adrenaline. We're switching that off calming down so you can actually think because as you say hey when emotions are high intelligence is low so we're looking to flip that off and EFT is something that you can do anytime anywhere and I know as a space holder yourself as a mentor as a coach you only get to see your clients at you know once a month once a fortnight or whatever the schedule is how can you support yourself in between those times? Because we're not there when it's 11 o'clock at night or 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you're driving to try and pick up the kids from school and all the stuff's going on. What That's something that you can do quickly, easily, and discreetly. If you're nervous about meeting someone, you're worried about a confrontation, you need to have a discussion, you can really discreetly just tap on a few points and just have that just signal to the body, everything's going to be okay, you're safe. It's all going to be okay. Oh, it's so powerful. And what I love about this is when 
our children picked this up very young and was taught very young with a kinesiologist who was also a psychologist. And it just, again, it gives you something to do that takes you out of the thinking, which can sometimes take you into a spiral of negativity or stories that aren't serving you. So is it possible if we could ask you then, and in the notes that I put in a chart, or is there something or a link that we can download that we can take us to your website so that we can see how to do this? Because you don't have to be an experienced, qualified practitioner to know how to use this effectively in the home, do you? No, absolutely. Yes. So I do have a um, a little just a PDF, which is a picture of what the points are, how to do it, a script that you can just follow. But I, I say the rules are, there are no rules in a way, just tap. Sometimes people can get caught up in, but I don't know what to say. You don't even have to say anything. Sometimes it's just a matter of feeling. When we notice the awareness, this is why the awareness is key. And you might even tap, you might go, I don't know what's going on right now, but I'm not feeling good and I'm cranky whatever i'm just tapping because i know i need to clear something so i'm just using this as a moment to take a deep breath and all's going to be okay and you don't even need to say that you can just think that um or you can just tap and just notice how that feels in your body and use it as more of an embodiment practice to help bring you back into the moment and take a deep breath um and so i often have little mini videos on my instagram as well um but definitely i will send you a link that people can take a look and access and do that because once you know the process just have a go and just see how you feel and you know often we talk about the suds rating, the significant units of distress. So, you know, when you're first starting, you know, right now, how am I feeling? You know, zero is green and red is um, 10, you know, out of, you know, scale of one to 10, what am I feeling? Gosh, I'm an eight. It's okay. You can tap. Ugh, feeling like an eight and just feeling out of sorts. And then after you do that tapping, just notice, well, how do I feel now? might've gone down to a five, might've gone down to a three, two, amazing. So it's just helps you to recognize and see that shift. And the more you do, again, that helps to clear. Suddenly your body's like, oh, okay, great. I, um, we saved ourselves from having to go down that adrenaline stress response spiral. And suddenly now, you know, we've, being able to save the body even from a biochemical point of view, great. Because when we're in an adrenaline stress response, the body's always going to prioritize to create that. Now our beautiful nourishing foods and our rituals, we're sitting in that beautiful uh, parasympathetic response that rest and digest. So the body tends to be able to heal itself. It's easier to access the beautiful higher emotions of joy and happiness and connection. And so each time we get to sort of, we can use it as a circuit breaker. We are building our resilience. We're building our ability and that inner knowing that, wow, I could weather that storm. A lot of the time there's a lot of fear for people because it's really scary because we feel like we're going to lose control and never come back out of that hole. Using these with the the essential oils and all the beautiful micro moments of self-care, incorporating EFT is just another circuit breaker that can help shift and move and evolve. You're not just stuck and stagnant. We haven't just put it to the side. It's actually something now we've we've just gone up one little spiral of ascension. We've gone up one level and we're able to keep going up slowly but surely, you know, two step forwards, one step back. And Whenever you can stop and then look back and go, wow, I feel like sometimes you're stuck in the moment, but when you're able to turn back and go, wow, I actually have, I've had moved forward and little by little, you know, great steps will be achieved. 
It's just so powerful. It's so simple. And I think as humans, we seem to, maybe it's because of the, the, the pharmaceutical world or the instantaneous effects that we have with alcohol and things like that, that something like EFT is so, or even smelling an essential oil, it just almost seems too simple, too magical mm. to be true because we need these massive kind of hit, again, back to addiction maybe, or I remember hearing Cindy O'Meara say it many years ago that, you know, when your children are little, if you give them, say, Pamol or Panadol for every little ill, uh, what are they going to do when the big problems hit them? What are they going to do when they're confronted with drugs or sex or alcohol when they're a teenager? And if we don't teach people how to self-manage, self-reflect and self-regulate our little humans, then we ourselves are giving them, it's a disservice really, not to show them how we humans can manage all of these things so long as we have that awareness. I just think it's so powerful what you're sharing and saying. And I just want to acknowledge you for the work that you do because in your corporate world, I'm sure you've seen burnout is just it's almost a stripe of honor in these days. Even as a mother or a father, there seems to be this martyrdom, this sense of I have to have all these scars and burn marks to show that I have trojaned and gone through this. And it's almost like as a society, we feed it by going, oh, yeah, I know. Or it's, it's I don't know. It just seems so weird instead of have you thought about tapping? Have you thought mm-hmm. about like it seems too simple for the story and the narrative of the everyday race. Is that a is that a human problem or has this become a greed issue around pharmaceuticals or industries that are trying to take advantage of these pains? Oh gosh, it's every all of the above. It's, it's not just one thing when we're looking through that lens, but this is, you know, our addiction then to the inner critic, like this keep going more, striving, it's not enough. Um, and as you said, this almost the badge of honor because, you know, the question is, and who are you without that struggle? Who are you without the the all the pressure all these people need me no one will be able to do this I've got to do that no one else is capable and da, 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 da. and it's easy because again that sense of that is an addiction it's an addiction to stress it is an addiction to the oh, only I can do that and so this self-fulfilling um you know the prophecy comes up because it's just like well only I can do it and therefore you end up being alone and all the pressure falls onto you and you know you have this deep burning desire I just want to feel peace I just want to do that but you don't know peace how is your body that doesn't know any different? And so, again, it's just understanding and delving deeper into that and what is it that you're trying to achieve? You know, we can be driven and determined and have goals in your life. I mean, look at yourself, such a successful, amazing businesswoman, mother, mentor. You know, you're such a, a mentor to me and I look up to you. I love being able to see what you've been able to achieve. And yes, this doesn't mean that it's just peace and flow and ease all the time. You know, you hustle. <laughs> There's a lot of work involved. I know how much you do um, to to be where you are and what you need to do to achieve, to have a beautiful, amazing business and how you can actually show up and support all the amazing people in this world. It's such purpose and vision. Um, but it can be done from a really beautiful, nurturing way and understanding um, that and and your drivers and knowing, well, we want to be the best version of ourselves. Can we do it in a way that's actually 
you know, up that line, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you're looking at your chakras and all those different things to that act through the lens of, of integration um, of in a way that it's not just on, as I say, there's a lot of stuff we're stuck in our heads on the mental plane. We're stuck in this almost 3D reality um, because we see other people do it. And I guess this is the thing with the social media and the marketing and that you just see out there the programming and we think this is the way it needs to be done. But again, it's that invitation. Well, what if it could be done different? What if it could be done better? And if we actually pulled back and slowed down, what if you could actually get you there quicker and actually be further along but again it's the fear that comes down who am I without this how could that be achieved because you know no other way and so it takes a lot of vulnerability and courage to be able to see yourself and to be willing to peek behind the curtain and to go deeper and to be willing to change and try a different way and know that that's you know going to take a little while but once you get onto that new path, once you can rewire those responses, once you become aware of what those triggers are and you're noticing it, aha, I know now what's going on, you start to become a lot more aware. And when you become aware also from the physical body, noticing the racing heart, the shortening of the breath, because you're a lot more embodied, you're taking that time to do more of those three deep breaths. So you're noticing quicker, ah. Oh, the warning signs of the the faster paced beating rather than, oh my gosh, you're in a running around like a headless truck type um, scenario. And so you've got those little things to help you and then you start gaining the awareness and then you have a choice. How am I going to approach this? I can choose to go to the chocolate guzzle, the wine, continue overworking or what I actually need in this space, what if I actually chose to do some three deep breaths run the bath, switching off and getting my rest because tomorrow it's still going to be there, but I can show up in a way that is nourishing rather than being depleted. Oh, and that choice is so powerful. And, I'm, and I can just imagine some really busy mums listening to this going, oh, as if I'd ever get a break. But that's where I started to always use my children as a part of that. So we'd run candle baths and they knew that a candle bath meant that they could each light a match. Uh, when as they were younger but it also meant that we had to go for two whole minutes while they were in the bath and I was sitting next to them outside of the bath in the dark with just two candles going and taking deep breaths that's how I got through motherhood when they were young and full-on as I made them part of my micro moments of mindfulness and self-care and I think that there's always a way and I, my belief is always as you know and the same as yourself you're better off to get a whole lot of little things happening throughout the day than a whole lot of nothing at all. And that's where I realized as a worker in the corporate field or as a mom or a partner, you have to capture those moments and create them and then make them perhaps into non-negotiables. I mean, these are all acts of self-care, self-love. In your humble opinion, then, what is the meaning? What does self-love mean to you? Mm, that's a good one. Wow. I think it's that ability to be able to listen to oneself, really taking connection deeper. Um, I guess I talk through the lens of my own experience. Um, that's been the biggest lesson for me because I'm extremely self-aware. Like we, we know there's a lot of knowledge, there's a lot of information out there, which is amazing. Um, but how does it become integrated 
into the body. And again, it's looking through the lens physically, emotionally, energetically as well. And having the courage to feel, to drop into our heart and allow that to be the bridge between the the physical self but also our higher sense of self. And from our heart space, that's where we're able to listen to the heart's calling, the heart's wisdom, to our intuition. And so together that beautiful, the intellect, the intuition, our instincts just flow seamlessly. And so for me, I believe self-love is having that courage to listen to oneself and living life and, and choosing that as a way of being rather than listening to the external just because it may sound okay or right but when we know ourselves, we can really clearly discern what actually is right and what is truth and that ultimately is I think you know one of the most beautiful acts of, of self-love. Mm. Oh, look honestly those words are just absolutely magical I know that you're down there in Victoria, you beautiful soul, and I'm sure there are people listening to this going, I just want a piece of what she's talking about. For people to be in touch with you, they don't have to live in rural Victoria to come and see you. They can get online treatments and and sessions. Could you tell us how we can follow and find you, my sweet? Thank you. Well, the best place is over on Instagram. So my handle there is at anagrillo.trueself. I also have a website, which is truesouth.com.au so yeah i would love to connect and yes i'm out in the beautiful rolling hills of south gippsland um but absolutely i uh, offer online services so i look forward to being able to support you anywhere you are in the world well i tell you it is one of the most important needs i think in this day and age there is so much disconnect there is so much uh, i guess unrequited um, desires met. There is so much pressure as humans in this day and age. And even though we're more wired and connected than ever, we're also more wired and disconnected than ever. And it's quite an interesting uh, phenomena and a time that we're living through. And I'm sure from your perspective, these beautiful tools and techniques that you offer certainly give us hope as humans, but also our future little humans growing up, for them to grow with these resilient tools and to know that there is another narrative, there is another story, or to have a new perspective, or to not believe in everything, but to trust who who am I without this, or how could I be this without having all of that drama and maybe all of the, the things that we manifest that don't necessarily serve us. So thank you, you beautiful human, for all that you do, for continuously showing up and also growing and expanding your knowledge and awareness. Because I think what's so perfect about you is that you have and do understand the corporate world but you also, and, and I also liken that to the city world, and now you have this beautiful country view or more open view by being where you are from an environmental factor. If there was a final message for the Self Love Podcast listener, what would it be? And perhaps you could include your favorite quote here in order for these guys to know that there is always a way to be a bigger, better version of ourselves with love and grace and courage. Oh, wow. You know, ultimately my favourite quote is just know thyself. I feel the the more we're able to connect in and even from when I first started 
studying kinesiology, um, I was like, well, what is it that, what encompasses what it is that I want to do and help achieve in the world? And it really comes down to reconnect with your true self. When you can just pull back all the layers and lay down the ego and be vulnerable and oh, it's such a humbling but so well such a well worth experience to do that when you can just actually strip yourself bare and see who you are truly without judgment and with gorgeous beautiful compassion and love for oneself it's it's just breathtaking. I, and I love that whole experience. And it's such an honor to be able to help people on this path, because when you truly know who yourself, like you become unstoppable and you're able to access those beautiful, you know, compassion and love and connection and discernment and trust. And that's what we need in this world. And so, you know, know thyself and, and change the world. Oh, my darling friend, you are definitely doing that. I absolutely adore you and Simon and your beautiful children. I love the work that you do. I am and always will be so honored. You were the first person to sign up to any of my programs that I've run over many, many years. And I will never forget the faith and trust you put into me for that and the journey we went on together and just how much of an honor and a treat it is for me to truly embrace and salute you for all of the things that you offer. Thank you, my gorgeous Anna, for everything. I really hope that every single person listening to this really gets the essence and importance of what it means to know thyself, to check in, to use these beautiful modalities and tools so that in this rather stressful world that we seem to live in can also be a place of ease and flow and joy and all of the other side to the shadow that you so eloquently spoke about today. Thank you so much for being on the show, beautiful girl. The honour is all mine, honestly. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.